Welcome to the church. 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 Hi, I'm Cindy Linton, and I want to welcome you to the church. My husband, Josh, and I are pastors of a growing congregation of people in Normal, Illinois, joining together in an effort to honor God, love people, and discover truth. Thank you for joining us today. book of Daniel, and I want to read from chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And the Bible says this in the New Living. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve will be able to save us. Everybody say, will be able to. He will rescue us from your power. Your majesty, everybody say, he will rescue. And this is really where I want to preach from this morning. But even if he doesn't, everybody say, even if he doesn't. We want to make it clear to you. Does anybody have places in their life where you're just like, let me just make this clear to you for a minute. Listen, you've been badgering me, you've been badgering me, you've been badgering me. But let me just make this clear. I do not want to buy your vacuum. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me make this clear. I'm not interested in your timeshare. Leave me alone. Let me make this clear. Stop calling me. I don't want this from you. Let me make this clear. But it's where Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego got. They said, even if he doesn't, let me make this clear, because I don't want you to have to ask me a second time, a third time, or a fourth time, King. Let me make it clear, Your Majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set. So for just a little while on this holiday weekend, I want to preach this title. Make it clear. Make it clear. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much, God, for the privilege to come in to worship in your presence. Lord, I thank you for all that you have brought here today. God, I thank you for setting the table, God, and preparing it before us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the scripture. God, I pray that you'd anoint my tongue to preach your word today. God, anoint our ears to receive your word today. Anoint our hearts, God, that it may dwell in us, Lord. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. 
When I say the word mixed signals, what do you think? A lot of times what we think when the word mixed signals is spoken, we think of relationships, don't we? We think of, did, did anybody ever date in here? Is anybody looking to date in here? I'm married, but is anybody looking to date in here? Sister Donnell? <laughs> I thought she was like, yes. <laughs> Been there, done that. You ever received mixed signals? Oh, absolutely. Mixed signals are a hard thing to figure out. You, you maybe think when you think of mixed signals, you maybe think of a contradiction. Have you ever been given a mixed signal by an individual in a relationship? Have you ever thought something was intended to be one way, but it was only intended to be another? Have you been given a mixed signal by your boss to the point that you thought you were going in to get a promotion only to find out that you were getting a demotion? Isn't that a horrible mixed signal? But there's all kinds of mixed signals that take place. At times, we have probably all actually given mixed signals, have we not? We have probably all at one time said with a smile because we wanted to be a nice Christian, we said something with a smile only in our hearts and our minds to think, boy, I just really wish you'd leave me alone. Is that not a mixed signal though? Because we say one thing and we're thinking another. In some form or fashion, we have all received or given mixed signals. We have all been part of a contradiction. The root word for mixed signals is saying one thing And doing another. Or doing one thing and saying another. I did not know my mother-in-law was going to be here today. I wish my father-in-law was going to be here because I would bring him up. And he could give you this example on the spot, literally right. And if you've ever met him, he has a knack to be able to say without, without hesitation, without thinking of it, he can tell you no and shake his head yes. And he will do it in the middle of a sentence, and you will be like, what? I remember the first time he started doing this to me as I got into the family. I was so confused because my eyes saw yes, but his mouth said no. And then he is, he's so good, he will flip it on you. He will say no, and he will shake his head yes. He will get you so confused, and you will say, what is it that you meant? And then you know what he does? He just starts giggling. He just starts doing that Jerry White giggle, and you can't do anything about it because you're like, what did you mean? And he just continues on. He is, he is the best at, at giving that, and it's very confusing. Do I believe what I'm seeing, or do I believe what I'm hearing? And you just don't know what to say. It's a contradiction in the simplest form. In that form, it's a joke. It's funny. It's hilarious. You try to mimic it, and you watch yourself in the mirror doing it, and it doesn't come out the way that he has it come out. But when it comes to our faith, we have to make sure that we're not sending mixed signals because we cannot send mixed signals in our faith. We cannot send our, our faith cannot be a contradiction. Our faith, we don't have the ability to make it be a joke. It's why the title this morning is to make it clear. We have to get to the point in our lives that we are not sending mixed signals to ourselves. Because it's not just about what we're sending to God. It's not just about what we're sending to the world. But it's about what are we telling ourselves. Because there are times when I look at myself in the mirror and I say, this is what I am, only to be acting in a different way. Or this is who I am, to look at how I am, but only to be saying things 
in a different way. Far too often we create mixed signals in our relationship with God. We profess our love and our devotion with God all the while our actions say something completely different. You ever been there? All the while our actions say something completely different. Or we can do all the right things. We can look the part. I wore my shirt, church shirt today. Did you guys see this? Because so, I wanted to let you know that I'm a part of the church. I got my suit jacket on because I wanted to let you know that I'm a part of the church. All the while I can have the dress and the attire, but when I leave here, if my mouth spews things that aren't uplifting to God, that, that are contrary to the word, it, 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 am I sending mixed signals? Yes, I am. And you know who's being confused by it? It's not Sayo. It's not Tiffany. It's not Jessica. It's not God. You know who's getting confused? Me. Because I'm dressing the part, I'm talking the part, but they're not going together. I'm sending mixed signals to myself, and it's time for as a church that we make things clear. A contradiction, mixed signal at its core. But here I want you to hear today, when we're sending these mixed signals about our faith, it does affect people, but it doesn't affect them near as much as it affects us. Have you ever bought into your own mixed signal? Anybody ever told a little white lie? No, you guys are all great. I will raise my hand. You guys are all wonderful. But we tell little white lies to the point that who starts to believe it? We do. The person that we're saying it to, they don't even really believe it. They just go on and we start to believe the story. Are you with me this morning? There's got to be some clarity from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet. God is not calling us to be wishy-washy in this hour. He is calling us to be clear with who we are and how we're living for Him. We begin to fool ourselves into believing something about ourselves that's not clear. The Bible says this in Matthew 6, 24-26, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Somebody needs to hear the word this morning. I know you're getting caught up on the word money and you're saying, I don't have money problems. I'm going to explain that in a minute. But I need you to hear what I'm saying this morning. We get caught up in the mundane of life on a daily basis to the point that we convince and confuse and con- contradict our own lifestyles we as Christians get to the point where we're worried about where this is going to come from or where that's going to come from and what it is is we start to serve two masters because God said you can't do that he says look at the birds this is Jesus's words this isn't just some some disciple this is Jesus's words he says look at the birds They don't plant or harvest or store in barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? He's saying to the church, you got to make it clear. Are you here or are you there? Because you can't be on the dividing line. Because the dividing line is going to split you right down the middle. And you can't live on both sides. You've got to be clear with the direction and what you're saying and how you're operating, church. God is calling us into a depth to say, no longer sitting on the fence. You're either in or you're out, and it's hard. It's hard to stomach. Because some of us are saying, I'm just getting in. 
And that's the great thing, though, because if you're just getting in, you're either in or you're out. You ever been invited somewhere and you only went halfway? You only got dressed on half of your body? Wouldn't that be weird? Wouldn't that be weird if you went to work and I'm only half here today, boss? I can see that. (laughs) You kind of need to leave. Have you ever been half in and half out of something? Have you ever been half committed and half uncommitted? You know what that looks like? It looks weird. It looks like what it looked like today when I thought they were done singing. See, I didn't even do this on purpose. God just gives us all kinds of illustration. It looks like I'm coming up to preach, and then I look at both the singers, and their eyes are still closed because they're getting ready to go into the next verse, and I've got to grab the mic and come back to my seat like none of you saw me. I was half in, and then all of a sudden I was half out. You you see what happened there? But have you ever been that way? You're in neither one place or the other. You're just kind of floating and you're literally moving back and forth between the two. You ever wonder why you're so anxious and so tired at the same time? It's because we're here and we're there. We're not making a clear stance. And don't get me wrong. I'm not challenging your faith today. There are faithful people in this room. But what God is saying is that faith of where you're at starts to need to be acted upon. That faith that you speak with start needs to be, be displayed. Because there's one thing to have it, and there's another thing to display it. There's one thing to speak it, and there's another thing to believe it. Are you following me this morning? I said this, don't get stuck on the word money here in the New Living, because as Americans, we oftentimes get our pocketbooks attacked because we are blessed, are we not? Is there any blessed people in this room? I'm blessed. And so we often get attacked in our pocketbooks. And the church wants to come after us in our pocketbooks. I'm not coming after you in your pocketbooks. If you're blessed, it's a blessing from God. And well, you can get to scriptures about what that's all about. This morning, what I'm talking about is mammon. Because in the, in the King James, the word wasn't money. It was mammon. Which broken down can mean money. But it can also mean your possessions. It can mean your fame. It can mean your status or whatever is valued more than the Lord. Pretty much covers everything. There isn't a thing in there. You can have a little tree in your front yard. And if you value that more than you value God, you have put that tree above him. You serve two masters. I know, how silly does it sound? But we do it all the time. We do it with those things that we drive. We do it with the places we live. We do it with everything in our life. We put something in front of God at times, and then we move back and forth, back and forth. You know, we do it to our jobs. A job that He gave us. We do it to those places. And we, I know there's a lot of retired people. that There's, there's still people that work here, is there not? <laughs> we do it time and time again to the point That when we value something over God, we're also sending mixed signals to God. I profess on a Sunday, Lord, you are my master and my savior. And on Monday, I don't even give him the time in the morning as I walk out to my job, whistling all day long while I work, right? Because isn't that what we do? We whistle while we work. Tuesday, I don't even give God time and I just march out the door to my job and I I, I give my full dedication and attention to God. Nope, I give my full dedication and attention to my job because I'm supposed to, are I not? I am supposed to. I am supposed to. It's biblical. I'm supposed to give my full dedication to my job. No, I'm supposed to give it to God and then give it to my job. 
There's an order and a stature. I, I go then Wednesday, and sometimes we have church on Wednesday, and sometimes we don't. But I get out of bed, and I march to my job, never giving God a God everything in my life and I move about my day to Thursday to an end time Bible study and in that one hour I give God this little bit most of the time I'm giving it to Irvin Baxter but I give God this little bit and then on Friday comes and I say oh thank God it's the weekend and that's all I give him Saturday comes and I say well this is my day of rest Sunday comes and I make it back into the sanctuary and say, oh God, I serve you and I love you. And all the while he's saying, well, I really like it when you say that. But I really wish you'd operate it. I really wish it wasn't just one day a week. I really wish there was times that you put it on display. Day after day after day. I really wish your actions matched your words. I really wish, church, that it was more than just a contradiction of mixed signals because church... We are blessed to the point that we are fooling ourselves in our relationship with God. To the point that when we hear that America is going to be saved, we celebrate. Yes, I'm saved. But we don't understand that our heads are stuck so far somewhere else that we've cast off religion altogether. And we miss it. Oh, because we've sent mixed signals to ourselves. God has never sent us a mixed signal. From the beginning of the book to the end. God has always put himself on display to know that he is meant to bring us back in communion with him. From the beginning, when he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, he clothed them. Something had to die to put clothes. All the way to the Calvary and the cross. All the way to Revelation. Jesus has been displaying to bring us back to him. But it's the mixed signals that we send. We take it a step farther. When we don't value something over but are near the same level, you can take that, that mammon a little bit farther. And maybe it's even someone, someone you value, maybe something you take, that takes the, that your cust, you, you consume the same or near almost the same. Even when we start to bring things at the same level of God, no matter if it's relationships, it's people, we, God should always be elevated and above in our lives. Does that make sense this morning? Am I speaking so that, so you can hear because I'm confusing myself a little bit? But are you understanding what I'm saying? There's gotta be some clarity in what we're doing for the Lord. For the last couple of Sundays, I preached about the miracle in our next step and having love activated. These are not separate messages, but they're building of the same. I didn't group them together to say this is a series, but they're the same concept of messages. There is a miracle in your next step. Is anybody still looking? Is anybody still looking for your miracle? And love needs to be activated for the church to be what God intended the church to be. All of that culminates today. All of that culminates with this message today. Because here's the thing. If I'm in and I'm out, every time I take a step, I'm not looking for a miracle. If I'm confused and I'm sending mixed signals, sometimes I'm looking and sometimes I'm not. You know where the miracle's going to take place? When I'm not looking. Do you know why? Because I'm not looking for it. Because I'm not dedicated to it. Because I'm sending myself mixed signals. It can happen. No, it can't. It can happen. No, it can't. It can happen. No, it can't. You ever been there? It can happen. No, it can't. 
It can happen. Then somebody comes along and they say, it can happen. It can happen. It can happen. It can happen. Somebody else comes along. No, it can't. No, it can't. No, it can't. No, it can't. It can happen. No, it can't. We're so confused. How about love? Love activated. Love activated. You've got to be so sold out that when somebody comes in and doesn't look like you, you go, that's all right. I knew you were coming. I've been praying for you to come because it's going to be the Spirit of God that is only going to get us over that. And so what I'm saying today, church, is we can look for a miracle and we can activate love, but if we're not sold out, it's just words. It's just words and there's no actions to the words. It's just, it's just thoughts. We got to make it clear to who? We got to make it clear to the enemy. Amen? If the enemy is knocking at your door every time you wake up, you know what you need to tell him? He has no place here anymore. If the enemy is knocking at your mind's eye every time you look in the mirror, you know what you need to tell him? You don't belong here anymore. Jesus has been applied to my life, and we need to speak that because we need to believe it, and there needs to be clarity. Oh, that's just silly talk. No, it's not. It's spiritual talk. And that's how we fight against the weapons of this world. We fight in the spiritual realm. We don't pick up guns and we don't pick up that. We fight because our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. It's through prayer that we activate. We begin to pray and we begin to seek God and then we begin to respond and we begin to look for God. We need to make it clear to ourselves. We need to make it clear to anybody that would listen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't just standing before the king, but they were standing before the accusers of them. And they wanted to make it clear so that everybody heard, you can go ahead and throw me in that furnace, king, but I don't care because my mind's been made up. Some of us are so worried that it's going to get tough. It is going to get tough. Oh, it's it's pretty tough right now. I, I feel you. But it's going to be tough. And it's in that toughness that clarity will give us different perspective because we'll start to see things a lot clearer than what we do. Paul talks about it in the New Testament where we perceive things darkly. But as we begin to know and grow in God, we begin to see the fullness of His light. He talks about it being brought into His marvelous light. What do we need to make clear? We need to make clear that we love Jesus. Well, I can say that right now. I love Jesus. But there again, you got to go back to the mixed signals. Because if I'm saying I love Jesus, but I'm not acting like I love Jesus, am I fooling myself? Because he looks all the way in. He can see to the deepest, darkest corner of your whole vessel. He can see if you're hiding something on the side. Well, I love Jesus, and still he starts to get into my business. Don't you love Jesus until he starts to get into your business? You know what the hardest part of preaching is? People think that the preacher is stepping on your toes. It's not the preacher, it's the Word of God that's beginning to come in. Say, oh, has got some nice shoes. If I step on his toes, he'd be like, don't smudge them, then I'll have to clean them. He's got some nice shoes. And when the Word starts to press, it's a matter of do I receive it? Or do I just say, well, I'm going to go somewhere else that I can, that I can get what I want to get. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference There's a difference. Jesus fed the 5,000. There was a crowd around, but when it was time to get in the Word, it was the disciples that went up the hill. Everybody else didn't want to hear it. There's a difference. You can't say that everybody's the same because they're not. There's a difference, and that's the difference that I'm talking about this morning. 
That's the difference that I'm talking about this morning. There's a clear understanding that no matter how much you push me, world, I'm not moving. No matter how much you want me to back down, I'm not backing down. This is where I'm staying. Make it clear that no matter what, you see it's either 100% or nothing. Don't believe me? I'll take you to Scripture. We can't be lukewarm. Revelations 3.16, the New Living. But since you are like lukewarm water, water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you. The King James said spew you. I will spew you out of my mouth. God is calling for a church to be hot. Don't look at the cold and say, well, I can be cold too. You sure can. But really what he doesn't want you to be is lukewarm sitting in the middle thinking that the whole time I've, I've established myself in the kingdom and the whole time we're standing on opposite ends and when the line is drawn, we're going to be split right in half. You can't live without one half of your body. You need the whole, whole body. God is looking for people who have made it clear no matter what my mind is made up. Close your eyes with me this morning. I'm not going to ask you to say anything, but I'm going to ask you to think on this thought. Is your mind made up? Keep your eyes closed. Is your mind made up? Because I promise you, when your eyes are closed and this thought has come about, there is going to be something that's going to come in and it's either going to confirm it in your eyes or it's going to create doubt in your eyes. Because when your mind is made up, you automatically know my mind's made up. I don't have to think about it. But when there's thoughts that begin to come in, that's the thoughts that we've got to battle. You can open your eyes now. What is my mind? Made up about, my mind is made up about that it's not just a vocal profession of my love, that it's an action of obedience and following after in this book. Not the name of the church on the outside, not the pastor or the preacher that stands behind the pulpit. It's the obedience and following after this word and in this book. And until we have made those decisions, we are standing on both sides, sending ourselves mixed signal. Well, pastor, I've heard that all I got to do is this. But did you read it in this book? Pastor, I've heard all I got to do is do this. Did you read it in this book? That's the thing. We have sent so many mixed signals to ourselves that we don't even know where the signals are coming from anymore. It's this book, this Bible. This Bible wasn't just presented so that a preacher can have a Bible when he preaches or you can have one at home. It's so we can go, man, I don't want to send mixed signals to myself about the way that I should operate, the way that I should treat people, the way that I should do this or the way that I should do that. And it's all in this book. There is no question that has not been answered. It's in this Bible. There is no desire of life that has not been discussed because it's in this Bible. God has given us every perfect word that is in his Bible. And he's looking for a church to make up their mind. Or it's my mind, or it's my mind is made up in my actions of obedience and following after his will. But my words don't profess it. It's why they go hand in hand. We preach a lot about vocalization. We preach a lot about letting your voice come out and, and it's so contrary to what the world will tell you. But if I can't profess it with my voice, do I really believe it? If I can't profess it with my actions, do I really believe it? Here's why the word is not just for you, but it's for me. Because this place isn't full. 
So here's how I know that we're all sending each other mixed signals because this place isn't full. Because if it was, I wouldn't take a night off. Every time I closed my eyes, I'd wake up and go, I got to tell somebody about Jesus today. I got to make sure that the house is full. It's scriptural. He said to the, to the people, the servants, go into the highways and the byways and the hedges. And he said, compel them. Do whatever it takes to get them to the feast. Compel them to go in. And here I find myself as a pastor, as a preacher of the gospel, sending myself mixed signals. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. What am I supposed to do? What I'm supposed to do is not be hot or cold or not be hot, cold or lukewarm. I'm supposed to be hot in my dedication. It's not a one or the other. It's an and both. It's made clear. You don't need someone to ask if you're a Christian. You don't need someone to say, am I an apostolic? You don't need somebody to confirm it because your actions and your voice speak it. Most of the time they will say, what is different about you? There is something different about you and I cannot figure it out. And that is what we need in order to be made clear. We need people to not ask us, but we need people to go, there's something about you and I can't figure it out and I need you to share it with me because that's the power of God eliminating all Because that's an understanding that you've made it clear. And no matter where the line is drawn, you're on the side of the Lord and you're following after God and you're saying, well, you're being a little blunt today, Pastor. I am because we don't have the time. We don't have the time to tickle ears and say, oh, you're going to be saved. Just accept the Lord as your personal Savior and you'll be saved today. And I'm not being blasphemous. What I'm trying to be is understanding. It's not in the book. It's the plan of salvation to follow after in obedience, to repent and to be baptized in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Nowhere in the book does it just end with accept and that's it. There is a whole world dying and going to hell because they've been sent mixed signals. And it's not the way we can operate, church. It's not an indictment on their faith. It's an inclusion too because we're straddling a line 50-50. We want to be in the world and we want to be in the church, but you can't be in both places. Our opening scripture this morning is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Before they were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. Three Hebrew boys that we need to understand who they were before we can really digest what they said. I love the scripture that I read, but you got to start looking at the life that they lived. Because it's in the life that they lived that you will begin to understand how they were able to say what they said. It was the time of the first Babylonian empire that God used King Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Jerusalem. Not only was Jerusalem destroyed, but thousands of the Jewish people were taken back to Babylon to serve the king. They, along with Daniel, were chosen to serve King Nebuchadnezzar and the king made a feast for them. But instead of eating the king's meat, you know what they did? They took a stand. They said, we're not eating that king's meat 
I know you have brought us here as captives, but we are not taking part of the king's meat. What we're going to do is we're going to follow after what we've been taught from a little bitty age. We're going to follow after what is in this book. We're going to follow after what we know is right to do. And that decision brought them a lot of pressure upon them, but they didn't fold. You see, the king's meat isn't just some nice venison and stuff on a table. You know what the king's meat is? It's the world. The world is going to come in and sow you sweet nothings. Have you ever ate bread with butter? How about cinnamon butter? I love it. You go to Texas Roadhouse. Who am I making hungry right now? You go to Texas Roadhouse. You get that cinnamon butter, you put it on that bread, and you eat the whole basket yourself. Now, there's one thing to eat a whole, ba- whole thing of chips at the Mexican restaurant, but when you eat all the bread in the basket at a Texas roadhouse, there's something wrong with you. I've been close. But they put this king's meat out on the table, and the boys, they were just boys. They said, we can't partake of that. Hear me, church. Because sometimes we get in the same situation and we go, well, one bite won't hurt. Well, one little bit of mingle won't bother. You know, God knows my heart. You ever said that? God knows my heart. One little bit will never, never hurt. But here's where we got to get with these Hebrew boys because they started to take a stand. It wasn't the golden altar that they took a stand at. It was every day in their life they started to take a stand and they started to make it clear and it started with the king's meat. They said, we're not going to do this. They, along with Daniel, were chosen. And they said, nope, we're not getting into it right now, king. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do what we've been told and that's all we're going to do. They made it clear. They made it clear. And the king, the king said, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work. But if you can prove it out, I'll go ahead and let you avoid the meat. And you know what they did? God blessed. And they proved it out. God showed up. And in every circumstance, they were above all of the others that ate the king's meat. You want to shine? Make a choice. Make it clear that you're living for Jesus. And on your job, he's going to make you shine. At your home, he's going to make you shine. In the world, He's going to make us shine, church, because that's what God does. Prayer and fasting and being in the Word. Every day it's making clear decisions, clear decisions to follow after God, not just on the weekend, not just one time here or there. The more of God and the less of the world we find in ourselves, the more He leads us to holiness. Holiness. It's not a word that we like to discuss anymore. It's a word that, pardon my language, we like to skirt around. It's a word that we like to convince ourselves that we're one foot in and one foot out. But the Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and 16, for the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. Holiness is an understand that I've made it clear. Holiness is not attire. Hear me. Holiness is not attire. Holiness is not mean I got a suit jacket on or a church shirt. Man, I'm sweating again. I apologize. I'm going to have to crank that cool the air down. Holiness is not attire. You've got to hear me. That's legalism. Holiness is an understanding that I am in it. 
And everything that comes in this book, I am in. That leads us to a relationship with Christ. That leads us to an understanding of what God has called me into. you got to hear me because people are going to tell you, oh, it's just an attire. Holiness is an attire. You know what that is? That's mixed signals. That's mixed signals to the point that your body isn't even believing what your mouth is confessing. Because holiness is an understanding that wherever the king goes, I'm following. And in order for me to follow, I've got to get as close as I can and in as tight as I can. Because sometimes he moves and I want to make sure that I move with him. And there's a depth that comes to holiness. You know what I can't be and have holiness? I can't be mixed. I can't have mixed signals. You can't. It's why I've been so proud to see the operation of the Holy Spirit moving in our church and our altars these last couple Sundays. You know why? Because you can't have the Spirit of God without holiness. You can't, you can't profess, proclaim, and hear tongues without holiness. Because if God's not there, there's no holiness. But when God comes in, church, when God comes in and holiness begins to take His place and commitments begin to be made, there's a different atmosphere that takes place. You don't have to entice him in because the cloud, the cloud sits above before we ever even get here and his presence dwells because that's where his people are. I don't want to just go to a church. I want to be people of God. I don't want to just say, oh, I'm glad for the Jewish people. No, I want to go, but it was open to the Gentile. It was open to the Gentile, and that's me. That's me. You must be holy because I am holy. It's hard. Because the line, the line is so enticing. You know what they have on the line? Shiny lights. They have LED flashing lights on the line. They have cinnamon butter rolls on the line. They have things that resemble. They have things that resemble the presence. They have anointed music. They have good speakers. It resembles so closely. But it's so far away. It's a resemblance of a church when we send mixed signals to ourselves. We become convinced that that's what it is. That's not clear. That's not holy. God drew his people for separation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego along with Daniel knew this. And they avoided the king's meat. And in doing so, they honored God. She prayed about honoring God. I want to honor God, not just in my words, but in my life and in my deed. Because that's clarity. And in doing so, they honored God. And King Nebuchadnezzar saw that something was different. So he gave them more authority in Babylon. Others don't like it, so they look to undermine them and and test their faith. But when you make your faith clear, people can test all day long. You ever had somebody to try to test your faith? You know what they'll do? They'll circle in, give you a little poke, circle back away, circle back in, give you a little poke, like the Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> they will just come and keep poking and poking and bothering. You know, you know what they're looking for? They're looking to see if there's any, any places in your armor that they can get through. Because when we put on the whole armor of God, you know what's not there? Places for the enemy to get in. And so what they're looking for is to test you. 
test you. And can I tell you, we've all experienced bullies in our life. You know what a bully does? He gets bored. After so long of testing and testing, they'll just move away. Can I tell you, the enemy is the same way. He's not, he's not vigilant, he's lazy. And what he is, is he's looking for somebody just to cave and crumble so he doesn't have to come back and back and back. And when we stand strong and we make it clear in our life that I'm not moving, that I'm not going anywhere, that I'm here till you call me home, Lord, the enemy can poke and poke and poke, but I've already made up my mind. I've already made up my decision. Everyone... But the three, King Nebuchadnezzar builds this giant golden statue that everyone was to fall and worship at the sound of the music. Everyone but three. Everybody say everyone but three. Everyone but three bowed down. I don't know if you've checked the status of the world lately. But there is a worldly culture that is trying to get people to bow down. Not just on a daily basis, but on an hourly and on a minutely basis. What's the church going to do? Is the church going to accept? Or is the church going to say, it's not in the word. It's not in the word. I didn't say don't love. I just said, is the church going to accept? Because you're going to have to watch the flavor in the air. Because people are going to go, well, the wind is changing. We probably better change our motto. We probably better change how we operate. But you know what the book says? No matter where the wind blows or no matter where it takes you, stand upon the word of God. Stand fast upon the foundation of this word. We've got to stand upon God. The world has seemed to flip on its head upside down. We read this story and we think, how weird. But everything right now is also coming under attack. We think, I would never bow and worship a golden statue. I would like to see one. But you think, I would never bow and worship a golden statue, don't you? But I just told you the statues that we worship are jobs, television, Netflix, this phone, this phone that has all ingenuity and technology at its fingers. We worship time and time again. Our households are whatever it is. We worship time and time again. We worship athletes on a field. We worship politicians in an election. We worship entertainment. False idols are propped up around us all the time. Spirits are propped up around us as idols all the time. I've heard it said before, and I'll say it again this morning. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for everything. Church, when we are straddling this line and we are sending ourselves mixed signals, we are falling one way or the other. But when we stand over here and make it clear, we will not fall. We will not leave holiness. We will not back away into this world. We will stand strong upon our faith. The three knew the word. They knew what Moses came down from the mountain with. Thou shalt have no gods before me. They were clear. They were not going to worship this golden statue. They didn't need King Nebuchadnezzar to ask them again. But people saw and people started murmuring. People saw and people looked and they started murmuring about these individuals and the king brings up the three boys, the Bible tells us, and he flew into a rage. He was so upset. How can you not listen and follow after me? Is it true 
The Bible tells you, I will give you one more chance. Don't you hate that when the enemy comes knocking around? I will give you one more chance to do this. I will give you one more chance to worship me. And it's the same thing the king said. It's why I started out this morning talking about mixed signals. You can't, you can do something once and no one cares. But when you become committed and consistent, everybody starts wondering what's going on. The enemy, he doesn't care if we come in here on a Sunday and profess our love to God. What he doesn't want you to do is take it to your job on Monday. What he doesn't want you to do is take it to the grocery store on Tuesday. We're trapped. We're locked inside four walls here. He doesn't care a flip what we do in here. He cares what we do when we walk out that door. When we get into our home, do we walk into our home and go, I'm going to make it clear to this house and anybody that can hear me. I serve God. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to find myself on my knees. I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it till the Lord comes back. Is that what we profess? Because nobody cares if you do it once. So the king didn't care that they didn't profess it to him one time. What he wanted to do and what he did was he said, no, bring them before me because they're going to bow in my presence. Because I'm the king. And that's what the enemy wants you to think. He's bigger than God. So when you get by yourself, he wants you to get afraid. And he wants you to go back to those old ways. But God's saying, no, I got you. No, I'm with you. It's why we can't send mixed signals. I'm paraphrasing the scripture, but King Nebuchadnezzar, he did. He brought these three up. He was mad, but he calmed down and he said, is this true, boys? Let's just have a heart to heart for a minute. I'm the big king of the Babylonian Empire. Is this true that you were buddies? I gave you good things, boys. Look at all that I've given unto you. Is it true? There must be a mistake, fellas. So because it was a mistake here, right now in front of me, I want you to make a choice. Are you going to serve me or are you not? going to serve me and just in case it's not enough what I want you to know is if you don't bow on your hands and knees right now and serve that golden idol and serve me I'm going to bind you up and I'm going to throw you into the furnace and just to put a little bit more pressure on you I'm going to crank the heat up already just so you feel the heat isn't that like the world isn't that like the enemy using some scare tactics to come in I don't know how I'm going to make I don't know how I'm going to provide. I don't know how this. I don't know how this. Oh, let me add a little bit more. Let me add a little bit more. And all the while, God is saying, you got to make it clear. you got to make it clear. The world is going to challenge. The enemy is going to fight. People are going to threaten. But none of that matters when you make it clear. Because you know that when God loves the birds and he provides for them, when you know that God loves the animals and he provides and he loves us that much more, none of that really matters. Daniel 3, 16 and 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. And you don't. When you've made it clear, you don't need to defend because all you need to do is go, you got to talk to him. You need to talk to him. 
Because he's the one that I've made it clear with. And my mind has been made up. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace and God whom we serve is able to save us, he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear, your majesty. Don't you love respect? Don't you love how they continued with respect to your majesty? They made it so clear that they didn't really care the authority that the enemy had. They wanted to continue to remind him, it's okay, your majesty. It's okay, O king, because we know a king that's greater. Even if he doesn't save us, O your majesty. Do you get it? Do you hear that a little bit? You ever talked with sarcasm to anybody? Because you really wanted them to feel it? Don't you feel that in the Hebrew voice? It's, it's, it's okay, your majesty. You, you get upset, your majesty. You get, you, you get that fire so hot, your majesty. It is, it, is, oh, it is okay. We respect your authority, your majesty. But you go ahead and do your worst because we just want to tell you, we just want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods. And we will never serve you, your majesty. We will never serve that golden statue. They made it so clear. Even if he doesn't work right now, we're not going to change. There was no wavering. There was no waffling. There was just the statement of clarity. Woo! I feel a breath of the Lord coming in. There are people that need to make statements of clarity in your life. There are things that we need to make clear. Not just to the enemy, but to ourselves. There are things that we need to speak and we need to operate in the kingdom of God. The king ramped up the heat to the furnace, bound their hands and their feet, and he had his strongest guards throw them into the prison. The Bible tells us that the fire was so hot that the men who threw them in the fire killed. Dropped dead immediately. The fire was so hot. That was it, right? That's the end of the story. Now, you guys all know this story. You know this set of scripture. That's the thing. That's the thing. We know this book, but we don't operate in it because we're mixed signals to ourselves. Because if we did, there wouldn't be nothing that could stop the church. If we did, there wouldn't be nothing that could contain us but God himself. But we're sending mixed signals. Am I in or am I out? The king looked and he saw four men unbound. Come on, that's a praise God moment right there. Because I'm telling you, when you begin to speak and you begin to operate, you're not going to be by yourself because there's God showing up. <laughs> Come on. It's only there were four because there was three Hebrew boys. If there was just one boy, you know how many there would have been? Two. Because God would have showed up. He said, bound them and throw them because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to loose them and I'm going to dance with them. Because when we make that decision, God is, I'm telling you, there's a miracle coming. There's a miracle coming. God is right there in the midst. And what he's looking for us is he's saying, how clear are you? How dedicated are you? How committed to me are you? Are you looking for holiness? Or are you just looking for happiness? Because there's a difference. There's a difference because the world, because that line that will give you the simulation and the appearance of, there's happiness you can find on that line. There's happiness you can find on the other side. Though it will only last for a minute. But when we get into God's presence, happiness and joy is all around. He called. Nebuchadnezzar saw the four dancing and he couldn't get any closer. And he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come on out. You know what they did? They walked out of that fire. 
They walked out of the fire. They went in bound and in shackles, but they walked out of the fire. Somebody here today is in a fire, and God in the end of the enemy is telling you that you're just going to drown in it. And God's saying, not when you make it clear. Because when you make it clear, I'm going to remove the shackles. I'm going to remove the chains. And you're going to walk out. You're not going to walk out even singed. You're going to walk out untouched. And you're going to walk into the presence that God has for you today. Stand with me this morning. Life at times can be tough. Amen. No doubt about it. Our walk with God at times can be tough, amen? No doubt about it. There's somebody that's not here this morning, and I hope she hears it on the podcast later later this week. She said to me that her life has gotten harder when she came to know Jesus and started coming to this church. Her life has gotten harder from that moment. And I said, come on, sister. Come on. You're in a fire. The only way out, you're in it. The only way out is not to go deeper in it. The only way out is to commit. Because it's in that commitment where God takes those shackles off. It's in that commitment where God breaks down those chains. But when I'm waffling, when I'm waffling, that fire's hot. I'm burning myself Monday through Friday. And on Sunday, I come and get a little relief just to jump back in the fire. That's not what the Hebrew boys did. They were committed and they said, I've made it clear to you, King. You go ahead and bound me up. You throw me in because when I get in there, my God, whether he does or not, is going to be with me. But I just need you to know that that's where I'm at today. Instead of examining our lives and our faith, maybe we need to start looking at the signals we're sending ourselves. Maybe we need to start looking at the signals that we give ourselves. Maybe from the time we leave the door to the time we get into our home, what signal am I sending you, God? God, am I sending a signal that I worship and I love you? Or God, am I sending you a mixed signal? Lord, help me today, God. Don't let it be words that just fall over a pulpit, God. But let conviction, God, begin to come down upon us this morning. There was an engineer during the Roman Empire. He was tasked with building a 99-foot-tall obelisk or monument to the emperor. 20,000 men were under his command. They were chosen to pull the ropes to build the monument and to establish everything. There was a lot of money that went in and there was a lot of pressure. If this monument fell, it would look bad upon the emperor. Everything was looked through the eyes of perfection during that time. And this engineer was tasked with such a great feat. To make sure the engineer was singularly focused on the task at hand, the emperor demanded one act which ensured the complete attention of the engineer he ordered the engineer's own son to be strapped to the apex or the top of the monument so that while all the hoisting and all the rigging and all the activity were taking place that engineer would have what he would have soul clear focus And not only would his mind be in it but his heart would be in it because he knew that his son was up there God's not calling us to be half in. God's calling us to be all the way in. With our hearts, our hearts, our mind, and our strength. God wants every aspect of us and He wants us to make it clear today. What if, church, what if our actions and our thoughts were solely focused on Egypt What if like the three Hebrew boys, we made up our minds that we're not going to bow to idols and spirits of this world, that we're going to choose holiness 
and godliness. What if, what if we talk about the mark of the beast? What if we choose to be marked by the Savior? What if we made that choice? You know how to avoid being marked by the beast? Be marked by the Savior. Because it's the only way to have a clear understanding and a direction. We don't have to go all the way back in the Old Testament to the three Hebrew boys to find a church that made it clear who they were serving. We can go into the book of Acts and we can find the modern day church selling all they had, going house to house to house, spreading the gospel of Jesus like it's never been seen before. Is anyone tired of giving mixed signals in their relationship? Every eye closed, every head bowed. Is anyone tired of giving mixed signals? Today is the day to make it clear. Choose this day who you shall serve. These altars are open this morning. Come on, can we find a place to pray today? Let's talk to God. Let's make it clear with Him the direction that we're going to go this morning. Oh, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the church. We hope you feel encouraged by the words you have heard today and would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person if you ever find yourself in Normal, Illinois. For more information on what's happening and to discover ways to connect, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss a service. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Instagram by searching thechurch.normalil or on Facebook by searching The Church. Direct links can be found in the show notes.